0: from the cyber hub bunker in studio you're tuning in to the cyber hub podcast and now for your host and CISO, james azar well happy monday and good morning security gang welcome to another episode of the cyber hub podcast it's great to be back in the studio and with all of y'all i hope everyone had an amazing relaxing and enjoyable weekend the summer is almost over i mean we're we're end of july I mean, in the South, school starts in just a few short weeks, and uh, there's a lot to talk about when it comes to that. So um, we'll get right into it. So big news over the weekend, though, was Twitter's rebranding as X, <laughs> Elon's Musk's, Elon Musk's obsession with the letter X. We'll be talking about that on tomorrow's episode because there's a whole slew of stuff around the rebrand of Twitter that's actually kind of genius in a way from a cyber perspective at least. And also introduces a brand new challenge. So we'll get into all of that on this morning's show. And we've got a packed one. So we're live on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Good morning. And Rumble. Good morning, to everyone watching us on all of those amazing platforms. Good morning, to everyone listening on your favorite podcast listening platform. After the fact, please make sure to subscribe and follow us on your favorite podcast listening platform or follow us on our social media channels. Join me for our double espresso this morning to get the show going. Coffee cup cheers, y'all. And let's kick off with the news that was really impacting everyone on friday which was the news that the u.s ambassador to china was hacked as part of the recent cyber operation against the u.s government by the chinese communist party this latest breach is attributed to the one that impacted state and commerce right before secretary blinken's trip to china Um, over the weekend also by the way if you you guys hadn't seen the, the the news there but Uh, Former Secretary of State Henry Kessinger, who's 100 years old, was actually visiting in China as well and met with Xi Jinping. It's it's seen a lot of news as to why he was there. None of it could be confirmed. So we're not going to delve into that kind of situation. For security reasons, the State Department said they're not going to be sharing additional information on the nature and scope of the incident at this time the hill when reached out to the state department for a comment, got that news the news follow a microsoft report earlier this month that uncovered the chinese gaining access to email accounts of 25 different organizations including federal agencies in an attempt to collect intelligence from the u.s the uh group behind it is storm 0558 a ccp chinese communist party backed apt that hacked the state department silence from our end and zero response there should be consequences to this the more you let we are projecting weakness when you project weakness chaos ensues um let's hope they get their heads around this one and release some sort of real kind of uh uh, impact to the chinese a stolen microsoft key that's offered widespread access to the microsoft cloud services Microsoft's consumer signing key that was stolen by the Chinese as part of the breach that we just talked about went far beyond Exchange Online and Outlook.com, according to Redmond. Uh, Redmond revealed on July 12th that the attackers had breached the Exchange Online and Azure Active Directory accounts of around two dozen organizations. This was achieved by exploding a now patched zero-day validation issue in the Get Access Token for Resources API that allows them to forge sign access token and impersonate accounts within a targeted organization. On Friday... The impact extended to all Azure AD applications, including operating with uh, Microsoft's Open ID version 2.0. This was due to the stolen keys' ability to sign any Open ID v2.0 access token for personal accounts and multi-tenant AAD apps. Microsoft clarified after the publishing of this article that it only impacted those who accepted personal accounts and had validation error. Microsoft, while Microsoft said the only exchange online and Outlook were impacted. Threat actors could use the compromised consumer signing key to impersonate any account within the impacted customer or cloud-based Microsoft application, according to the report. Everything in the world of Microsoft leverages Azure AD auth tokens for access. An attacker with an AED signing key is the most powerful attacker you can imagine because they can access almost any app as any users. This is the ultimate cyber intelligence shapeshifter superpower, according to the report as well. Microsoft reported uh, observing a shift in Storm 0558 tactics showing that the threat actors no longer had access to any signing keys. We'll see how Microsoft actually comes out of this one um, and into into the, the future of this because this is significant, by the way, in the fact that if, if Azure AD once, you know, kind of we, we talked about Okta last year, right? Okta had a really, really rough year. By the way, I'm getting reports that Okta experienced another security incident. Uh, I've got a bunch of emails flooding our inbox with with some information. I've been trying to validate it for the last week. I've been unable to validate. Okta has been silenced in their response. Um, So we'll see when the announcement actually comes out. But stay tuned for that. Okta getting breached was one thing. Now this is Microsoft and Azure AD. This is impacting diplomacy, espionage, and so much more at a very, very sensitive time. You want to be mindful of these types of attacks um, because they're going to be significant. Um, for some reason, the, the screen's off, off center here, y'all. So a Netscaler ADC bug is being exploited to breach U.S. critical infrastructure org. This is going to the Citrix uh, Netscaler ADC and gateway vulnerability. Around 15 to 20,000 exposed servers are out there, and they're exfiltrating uh, AD data, according to a CISA advisory that's warning that criminals leverage the unauthenticated remote code execution flaw Plant a web shell on the target's non-productive NetScaler application delivery controller appliance. The backdoor enabled the attacker to enumerate active directory objects, which include users, groups, applications, and devices on the network. It also allows them to steal AD data. Because of the targeted NetScaler ADC appliance was in a segregated environment on the network, the uh, criminals were not able to move laterally to a domain controller, according to CISA. CISA has released an advisory with, with TTPs along with detection methods to help organizations, particularly those in the critical infrastructure segment, determine if their systems were compromised. During the initial exploit cha- uh, stage, the uh, criminals uploaded the vulnerable appliance uh, to the vulnerable appliance a, D, a TGZ archive with a generic web shell, a discovery script with a set UID binary. They did SMB scanning on the subnet and used the web shell check and exfiltrate active directory inventory with particular interest in configuration files that contain encrypted passwords, whose key is on the ADC appliance, decryption keys, which can unlock the AD password and configuration files, and the list of user system groups, subnets, organizational units, contacts, uh, partitions, and trust in active directory. Thousands of these uh, servers still remain uh, unpatched and still open for abuse. Around 15,000, according to this number, I've seen some as high as 20 thousands so you want to make sure you get your citric appliances patched asap perimeter 81 the uh, cloud vpn provider needs to improve its responsible disclosure process for vulnerabilities found in its products researchers or had uh published a blog post in late june to disclose the details of a local privilege escalation vulnerability that was discovered in perimeter 81's mac os application the researcher said the privilege escalation exploit leverages a misconfigured XPC service along with a command injection vulnerability. Exploitation allows an attacker to execute arbitrary commands with root privilege. Uh, Josevic said that at the time he had first reported his findings to Perimeter 81 in mid-March, the vendor was then uh, contacted four more times, but the researcher claimed he only received one response saying the issue was wrongly sidetracked. The security hole was then reported by the researcher to the vulnerability information and coordination environment Vince at the CERT. Coordination Center at the Carnegie Mellon University, they've published their own advisory for the vulnerability, which is tracked as cve 2023 or 8 After failing to get a response from the vendor, at the time, the latest Perimeter81 macOS application suffers from a local privilege escalation vulnerability inside com.perimeter81.osx.helper tool. This helper tool allows main application to set up things which require admin privileges, such as VPN connection, changing routing tables, etc. It added by combining insufficient checks of the XBC connection and creating a, a dictionary with the key using uh, a CAP path, uh, a command which can be appended within the value to run with admin privileges. Perimeter 81 has not responded to anything. Apparently silence is, I think it's going to go away. Um, this is significant for perimeter 81, y'all. Uh, very, very, very significant. The fact is that you don't acknowledge the community of which you claim to be a part of and the researchers who are trying to help you. Is one thing ignoring a whole bunch of other people is another. Um, yeah, that's this that's not top notch from them. Atlassian Atlasian at- at- <laughs> has released patches for two remote code execution vulnerabilities in the Confluence data center and server, and another one in the Bamboo data center. The most severe of these issues is tracked as CVE 2023 22508, a CVSS score of 8.5. And it was introduced in Confluence version 7.4.0. The second buck tracked the CVE 2023-22505. CVSS score of 8.0 was introduced in Confluence version 8.0.0. Exploitation of both vulnerabilities could allow an attacker to execute arbitrary code with impact on confidentiality, integrity, and availability. So they're using the CIA triad there. Both flaws were addressed with the release of Confluence versions 8.3.2 and 8.4.0. Customers unable to upgrade to one of these versions should at least update to version 8.2.0, which patches CV 2023-22508. So there's that. You want to make sure you get those patched as well. Banks are in attackers' crosshairs via open source software supply chain. This is a story that really had me kind of a little bit reeling here. In two separate incidents, threat actors recently tried to introduce malware into the software development environment at two different banks through poison packages on the node on the NPM registry, so the node package manager. Researchers at marks who observed the attacks believe them to be the first instance of adversaries targeting banks through the open source software supply chain. In a report this week, the vendor described the two attacks as part of a larger trend of observed recently where banks have been the specific targets. These attacks showcase advanced techniques, including targeting specific components and web assets of the victim's bank by attaching malicious functionalities to it. The vendor highlighted an April attack in a report. In the incident, the threat actor posing as an employee of the target bank uploaded two malicious packages to the NPM registry. Checkmarks researchers discovered a LinkedIn profile that suggested the package contributor worked at the target bank and initially assumed the package were part of a penetration test the bank was conducting. The two NPM packages contained a pre install script that executed upon installation on the compromised system. The attack chain unfolded with the script first identifying the OS of the host system. Then, depending on whether the OS is Windows, Linux, or Mac OS, the script decrypted the appropriate encrypted files in the NPM package, the attack chain continued with the decrypted files downloading a second-stage payload from an attacker-controlled C2 server. The attacker cleverly utilized Azure's CDN subdomains to effectively deliver the second-stage payload. That's, this tactic is particularly clever because it bypasses traditional deny list methods due to Azure's status as a legitimate server. To make the attack even more credible and hard to detect, they used a subdomain that incorporated the name of the target bank. Checkmark's research said that the second-stage payload to be a Havoc framework, a popular open-source pen-test framework that organizations often use for security testing and auditing, Havoc has been a popular post-exploitation tool among threat actors. So by deploying Havoc, they've essentially given themselves some level of credibility. Uh, the other attack that Checkmarks reported on happened in February. There, two of the uh, attackers, completely separate from the attackers in May, uploaded their own package containing a malicious payload to NPM. So, software supply chain remains top notch. I'm not going to read the whole story because we're almost out of time and I want to be mindful and respectful of everyone's time this Monday morning. But you can obviously and clearly see this. They're targeting the software supply chain, they're putting packages, they're using LinkedIn, they're using uh, uh, espionage, they're using social engineering. That's how they're gaining persistence. That's how they're earning trust. They're saying, oh, well, this is so-and-so. This is Eric who did it. All right, great. Eric did it. Therefore, um, we trust it rather than kind of deploying it. And that's a challenge many practitioners have, right? How do we differentiate those two? So there's that uh, there. Read the story. Very, very interesting. And look for ways to mitigate this, including what NPM packages do you use? How do you validate the package? How do you validate the activity of the package? Do you always... You know, when you put a package in dev, when you're pulling an NPM package and you're putting it in dev, most of the time you have lax security in dev, which allows the threat actors to gain persistence because you're only using one or two security tools in dev. Well, a lot of times it's because of cost, but number two, it's because you want to give the developers the opportunity to really kind of have a sandbox environment. So you've got to understand those. You've really got to lay out the track of how you're going to address these going forward. So when you're picking an NPM package, do you run it through a scanning tool? Do you look for the authenticity of it? Is there a checkbox for it? There's a lot of companies trying to help with this, and it's definitely worthwhile to start looking into it. Definitely worthwhile. And finally, Clop is now leaking data stolen in the it attack on clear, website, on, on clear web sites. The ransomware gang is now releasing all the data, not on the dark web, but rather just .com sites. Why are they doing that? For SEO reasons, for embarrassment reasons, and or uh, news specified news specific specific, specificity sorry Uh, none of the club sites are as sophisticated as the one created by alpha last year as they simply list uh links uh, to download the data rather than have a searchable database like the black cat sites we'll see i mean it's a a different approach see what that actually means that's it for our show this morning we'll be back tomorrow here live at 9 a.m eastern with all the latest Please make sure to subscribe, follow us there. And if you're going to Black Hat, hit us up. We've got some sponsorship opportunities. We'd love to help you create some content. So uh, give us a shot and we'll let you know all the latest. Until then, have a great rest of your day, y'all, and stay cyber safe. We love feedback, so make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.